We're literally debating that it's bad that people get to say what they think. Can you imagine? I'm reading Psalm 144 and it says, He trains my hands for war. We are on the brink of total destruction of America as we know it. Let your rebel flag fly. Welcome back into the program, everybody. This is Alabama Unfiltered Radio. We appreciate Mike Durant being on. Um, interesting insights and a little bit of an explanation of, I just, look, I'm one of these people, I'm not fired up about sending American boys and girls, men and women, to fight in the Middle East. I'm not fired up about them fighting. I'm not fired up about sending them to fight anywhere. And there's a story out. Who's got this story? Christina Wong. Pentagon doesn't deny 2,000 U.S. troops given, quote, prepared to deploy orders to support Israel in war with Hamas. Well, I hope he's right that they don't want us. I hope so, too. And I hope that we could maybe... Probably probably because you can't trust us. Learn our lesson. Let's go. Everybody to the front lines. (laughs) I mean, Don't forget your boa. You're looking fabulous. (laughs) I mean, right? Just leading us right in there? But, like, why do we keep trying to stir it up with everybody all the time? That's an interesting thing. I mean, we are stirring the pot. We are, and and maybe it's to try to save the Biden administration. Maybe it's to, to get our focus off of how messed up things are domestically in our country with the economy, with inflation, with with illegal immigration and everything. But all, all the news is now... You know, now it's Israel, Hamas, Israel, Hamas, at every moment, and uh, and I'm just not for. And then it gets worse. I'm not for some neocon. We need to keep the you know the balance of power in the world, and we'll just keep monkeying around everywhere. I'm not for endless wars. No, not at all. Mm-mm. And when you find out that you're not for endless wars, then you realize what group of people are your people, mm-hmm. because there are too many that are like, yeah, let's fight. And not only are they, yeah, let's fight, but we know we're being lied to. And that's the other part of it. We were never completely transparent when it came to Ukraine, were we? I wouldn't think so. I mean, we, we, we denied, the U.S. government denied biolabs. They, they, you know, they, they made it sound like Russia just woke up one day and said, we're going to take over Ukraine because we want to take over all of Europe and all this kind of stuff. No mention of NATO expansion, no mention of what, almost 20 years of warnings from Russia and from our own diplomats and from other people around the world saying, you got to stop, you got to stop, you got to stop. No no mention of any of that stuff. And we're, as usual, from COVID to whatever, we're just told what they want us to know. That's right. And get us stirred up. And here we are again. Mm-hmm. Part two. And, and, and they make sure that we know, we know these things and... We're supposed to believe it, and then, ooh, we're going to throw the church angle in as well to confuse mm-hmm. matters even more, because we really don't know our eschatology, so we're like, oh, gosh, we've got to be for Israel. Well, we right. are actually Israel, guys. Right. So we gotta we got to get that right, too. So mm-hmm. not only are you trying to find out what's actually happening, and like you said earlier, whether this started by accident or not, we still, nobody's being honest, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to just take the word for it. Mm-hmm. And now all I want to do is go to listen to more World Economic Forum talks because you go, oh, this is like a global right. plan. Well, you know, when Mike was saying that about, he, he was explaining that Israel sounds like they want to eradicate Hamas. 
And then we had the, the, the question, which, like I said, I wasn't trying to belittle it. I just want people to understand it's right. very easy for us as Americans. Because it, it sounds great. What are you going to do? We're going to get rid of Hamas. Okay, well, how how do you do that? Yeah. Well, we're just going to go in there and get rid of them. Okay, how? And I just think as Americans, and maybe it's because our attention is is our attention span so short now mm-hmm. that we don't think beyond the next step. We don't really think about how that's going to happen. Just like all these people who were banging the war drums, even in some of our churches. If I said, if I was, you know, king of the world, I said, great, look, we're going, absolutely. Troops are going, send the Americans. Your sons and daughters, and maybe you, are on the first plane. Mm. I think they would change their mind. That's right, I believe so too. Everybody is for a fight. Yeah, you've been it, fight, fight, fight. But most people don't want to be in that fight. They just want to cheer for that fight, and they want to scream about that fight and jump around about that fight. But they don't want to be in the fight. And I understand that. I right. get it. But we just seem like we, we have lost our minds. And, and there is a purposeful effort to stir the evangelical community to banging the war drums. That's right. And somebody is doing that on purpose. Just like, remember, the pastors and COVID. And, and who was the guy? Who was the go-to guy? Rick Warren and Francis Collins. Yes. Related directly, of course, to S- Fauci. Straight down from Fauci. And, and the leftist straight to Collins, then over to Rick Warren, then out to the evangelical community, purposefully planning, saying, hey, look, you guys go get those rube evangelicals across the country to buy into all this COVID hysteria and uh, shut the churches down, do the whole nine yards. They knew they were doing it. And I get this feeling that there is a purposeful focus because the evangelical community sways the red areas. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to get warriors, if you're going to get people who are willing to go fight the fight, no matter where it is in the world, you got to get those folks. You do. They are the warrior class of this country, and you got to stir them. And I, and I just get this feeling that there's a purposeful stirring going on of go fight and die for Israel. Let's go. Yeehaw. Roll Tide. And I, and I just, it's, it's a weird thing. Am, am, I, am no, I getting it wrong? No, I don't think you're getting it wrong. I, I think it points to a real need, as we were talking off air, about just the different viewpoints of the church and end times that we know our history. And we understand what's really going on here. Because if you say stay awake, people are like, do you mean stay woke? No. Be awake and alert. Because mm-hmm. the Bible says the devil prowls about, about a lion seeking who he can devour. Right. We've got to make sure that we know and understand the end times. We understand church history so we can look at this and go, they can go defend because it's a just war. They mm-hmm. invaded them. Go mm-hmm. ahead and fight back. That doesn't mean we got to jump in and like run to the fight. Right. Because you're right. There's something sinister about trying to stir the church up, especially a church been through what it's been through. We don't mm-hmm. know anything anymore. Mm-hmm. We're biblically illiterate. And they're like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Well, what are we going for? Right. From a political standpoint, did I send you all the chart that has that chart. the ethnic groups of all of Biden's top cabinet leaders? Mm-mm. Anthony Blinken, mm-hmm. Jewish. Mayorkas, Jewish. Walensky, the CDC director, Jewish. Um, I mean, they're all, you just, Ann Nurberg. She, I mean, everybody. Janet Yellen, 
David Cohen, Ron Clant. I mean, all these, Rachel Levine. Well, what's her real name? Richard. Richard, Richard. Levin. <laughs> oh, not Adam Levine. No, but that, he's a great singer. Okay. <laughs> Doug Imhoff, the first, second, mm-hmm. second husband, second man. What do they call him? It's first man. First, no, no, second, second man, second, second man. man. He's second You're man. right. Second gentleman. Second Kamala's. whatever. Yeah. Second gentleman. Merrick Garland. I mean, it goes on. Like, there's like 30 of them. They are all of Jewish descent. Mm-hmm. So no wonder, because if you look, you know, the emotions are running high. You look at, oh my gosh, have we played the video of Ben Shapiro talking about Jesus? We <gasps> no. have not. Oh. Are we going to have to have that? All right, oh. hold that, hold that. We'll try to find it. But and there's we, a reason our government is so pro-Israel. Mm-hmm. Go in whatever it takes right now because that's who is leading our nation. Hmm. It's very emotional. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. They're leading, and yet the Christians are like, I don't know if we should be involved. Well, or should we, or should we not? Do you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just involved in general. The church people are like, well. Oh, oh no, you're saying they're leading. And, they're and, and leading they're actually, strongly. They're active in all the things that happen in government. And our churches are going, I don't know if we should be involved at all. Exactly. I got you, I got you. You weren't, Sorry you weren't about talking that. about the war. Yeah, okay. no, I'm talking about the war. I'm talking about the church family. Involved in government. by Francis Collins. And we're like, mm-hmm. should we even be involved at all? And here, look mm-hmm. at the people who are running mm-hmm. our government. There are people who, Very feel, interesting. who will fill the void. That's true. Yes. Let's go out to Robert. Well, let's start with Mike. Uh, this is one of Sky's favorite callers. Mike, welcome Correct. to the program. Thank you for listening. Hey, I saw Doug Sattel, two T's, E-L. <laughs> <laughs> you were right, though. Sky. That's He's getting good. better. I was getting better, getting better. Let's go out to Robert. Robert, welcome to the program. Thank you for listening. Hey, guys. How y'all? We're doing good, buddy. How are you? All right. The way to sell this whole thing, guys, is two ways. First of all, they should have went with the two-state agreement. They should have went on with the two-state agreement when they came to that agreement. The now you're talking about the, you're talking about the uh, the Palestinians because they turned right. down the two-state agreement way way back. We talked about it yesterday. Right. Okay, I got you. I got if, you. If they if they went on with that, that'll made them trade partners with the world. That means the Hamoun Strait would have been disappointed them as anybody else if it gets shut down. Mm-hmm. So that means you had to protect it also because that be your trade route. And now you are a separate state. Your economics are into the world. You're going to be invited into the G. You're going to go from the G10 to the G11. You are now got some, some skin in the game. And the mm-hmm. next thing to do is to choke. We should have done this years ago. Choke off the supplier of the weapon. You should have choked Iran years ago. Instead of giving them nuclear secrets, instead of giving them uh, components, should have choked them at the very beginning when the shawl got sold out. Should have choked their neck off. I don't. I don't disagree with you. Hey, look, look, Robert. If you go back, even the history of the last hundred and twenty years, America had a chance. And look, I get the whole thing about colonialism, but the world would have been a safer, better place if we had projected power, not allowed the Soviets to get nuclear weapons, not allowed anybody else to get nuclear weapons. It would have been a terrible responsibility to be the only nuclear power in the world. But in my opinion, my not-so-humble opinion, the world will be a safer and better place. But, boy, we would have to do a better job at electing our leaders if we had right. that kind of power. But now we live in a country where if we had been the only one with nuclear weapons, our boss of our, the boss of our people would have talked our leaders into destroying them. Now, well, you're probably right. We would have been way more 
um, not colonial, but exploitive in all these nations around the world. I mean, we've got a pretty bad track record of uh, exploiting people, and, and and that's coming from a conservative. I'm, I've always been a rah-rah, pro-America, right no matter what kind of person, but we've done some shady things around to help, oh, yeah. oh, the, to help the elites make money off the back of other people. Well, what we need to do, we need to, Israel need to pull out the gods and go straight to Iran and wipe it out. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they, they may be headed that way already, Robert. I appreciate you, brother. Great, great points. He's right. I mean, yeah, he's right. The, the, the number one state sponsor of terrorism just seems to be sitting over there just, you know, arming every little terrorist group and nobody wants to go get them. And here's the thing. Are we really dumb enough? Barack Obama? I mean, I hate to be disrespectful, respectful, but helping Iran eventually get a nuclear weapon? Have you seen what some of his supporters are doing around uh, academia? <laughs> it yeah. did take Barack they're, they're three not, days to decide to weigh in on the... Uh, he'll weigh in on something Donald Trump says in a matter of moments. Mm. But it took him a while to figure out a statement on uh, Israel and Hamas, didn't it? Yeah, Let's did. go to Papa B. Papa B, welcome to the program. Thank you for listening. All right, all right. Yeah, interesting conversation today and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this for a while, especially since it involves Israel. And yeah. anytime, you know, we talk about war in Israel, it always withers down to end times type of uh, talk. But actually, I'm still tripping over, you know, that Joe Manchin deal and his bemoaning the fate of the Democrat Party. I hope you don't mind me changing the topic real quick. Uh, it's, you know, quite interesting to me. And I'd also like to say, raise your hand if you're tired of hearing about Colin Kaepernick in the news. Uh, My word. Been there. <laughs> been there. Six, seven years now. Didn't he have his 15 minutes of fame already? Uh, you know, it's time to move on. But somebody in the press just won't let it go. Uh, but on, on Joe Manchin, so, you know, he... He's talking about, oh, the Democrat brand is broken and, you know, it's so bad. And Papa B, we got to take a break, brother. Stick with us. The computer's coming up. I have no choice. We'll be back. Welcome back into the program, everybody. This is Alabama Unfiltered Radio. I'm Scott Beeson. We're powered by 1819 News. So go over and check out our friends over there at 1819news.com. Check out the news that they put out. Good, good stories. There's stories about Mike Rogers. Um, the conservative response to him. There's another story. There's sports. Alabama ranked 24th in the preseason AP poll in college basketball. Auburn just outside the top 25. You've got uh, the other story. One of our other congressmen. Congressman Strong. That's from North Alabama? Dale Strong? Yeah. I didn't know about this. It said that he's the last Alabama House Republican holdout on uh, Jim Jordan. An announcement is forthcoming, but I think the announcement is out now. It's out. Yesterday at 4.23, he announced he's going to support Jordan. But why did he get a pass at Mike Rogers? Like, we should have well, been dying to out, see Mike went out and talked like. to Forbes and stuff, though. What's his and name? Strong was just Dale over there. Strong just kept Strong? it quiet. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we have like some of those stories. But check those out over at 1819news.com. If you like the type of news, sign up for their newsletters. And then consider going to the very, very top, the upper right-hand corner, <laughs> and become a member. Support the work that they do at 1819news. Let's let Papa B... You, Abs is ready, but Papa B needs to finish up. Papa B, welcome back. Welcome back to the program. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, just so I was, you know, opining about Joe Manchin. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, here, here this guy is. Let's just say, okay, well, Joe Manchin is a good man. Okay. okay. So did he stand up and say anything about pole dancing drag queens in uh, in school i don't i don't remember that anything about drag queen story hour anything say anything do anything i I can't uh, i can't answer yes or no since i don't keep up with the west virginia united states senator a lot but i don't nothing in my in my spirit makes me think he is a solid warrior for traditional values, but he may be. I don't if know. If you go down well, the Republican platform, I don't think he meets the criteria of quite a few of them. Such well, a shock. And, you know, here's the thing. So, you know, all these good men didn't do anything, didn't say anything, and they basically have cut these, you know, reprobates loose, and we're in political hand-to-hand combat trying to keep them from indoctrinating our kids for heaven's sakes right you know and i mean i looked it up edmund burke was the british statesman that's credited for this the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing so all these good men are doing nothing they're saying nothing and so when you know when we're faced with this real just evil that we're confronted with in all of our institutions now is because these knuckleheads hadn't said, haven't said anything. They haven't done anything. They just keep funding the nonsense. And so what, you know, we've got to hold people like Manchin, Shelby, all of them accountable, you know, for letting all this happen. Shelby's out now, I know, but right. whoever else is doing it, we got to stand up and say something about it since they won't anyway. I, I agree with you, Papa All B. Right. Thanks for the call, so buddy. Moment done. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> we'll take it anytime, Papa B. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Brandon. Brandon, welcome to the program, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. I was just listening to your conversation, and um, co-host was talking about how many is um, how many Jewish people are working in the administration and um, mm-hmm. marrying Congress. And I'm not sure how many how many people are, if you've heard of this, but a lot of people um, have a dual Israeli and U.S. citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting to look that up and see how many. And the other mm-hmm. thing I wanted to mention was, you know, uh, that IPAC, A-I-P-A-C, is the biggest political donor to both parties. Um, now, I have heard that before. Yeah, it is. It's, when they have their conference every year, um, members of both political parties just go bananas talking about how much they want to support Israel. You know, people like Lindsey Graham and, you know, he, he cracks me up. And he, he's the most 
more hawkish person I've He I've really been. is. And can you imagine? I just can't imagine Lindsey being um, <laughs> just being a warrior about anything. Yeah, he's, he's, he's who so I think of when so I think of sending somebody else's kids. <laughs> we just got to we got to go and fight wars in Ukraine. It's going to be great. We just going to fight and, and dress up in our, get guns and dress up in battle fatigues. This going to be fun, fun. <laughs> get to wear all kinds of medals. He went over and, he went over and yeah, it took pictures with Zelensky. It's insane, man. And it really the is. The way Zelensky demands money and support, comes over and talks to our Congress like we owe him something. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Did y'all see that Israel denied Zelensky's yes. entry into the country? He wanted to come visit? No, they said no. And they no. said no. Yes, I saw that. He's Jewish too, right? Everybody, I guess everybody's Jewish. It's it really is kind of amazing. Hey, Brandon, I need you to become our official person anytime um, Senator Graham has a public <laughs> statement. I want yeah. you to do the voice and call us, and and uh, so we'll so we'll know what I'm he said. I'm a confirmed bachelor. I've been single all these years. I'm still looking for a lady to make me honest. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate you. Was that Brandon talking or Lindsey Graham? <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> nice. yeah. He really is good. Boy, that's good. He is good at that. Let's go. Real good. Stan Cook, our resident experts on our expert on Israeli issues. Stan, welcome back to the program, brother. Hey, good morning. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Right. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, I heard several of your phone, uh, your callers talking this morning. And I wanted to address one subject, but also address the Abraham Accords, uh, something that's unique about those. Okay. Uh, but first, uh, the two-state solution will never work. And this is why. Uh, you have Gaza, uh, 25 miles wide, 72 miles long, on the southern border of, border of Israel. And look at how they smuggled in rockets, made rockets, built rockets out of water lines. Uh, and the damage they're doing. A lot of people have a misconception that when you hear the word West Bank, that they think it's just a community on the West Bank of the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. But the West Bank extends from the Jordan River all the way to the city limits of Tel Aviv. Okay. And you are going to be putting in tanks, planes, bombs, whatever you give a Palestinian state is going to be that close to Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And there's no way that Israel will really ever capitulate to a two-state solution. And nobody in the, the, the uh, mentally normal thinking world will agree to it. Because you're going to put Hezbollah and Iran on the doorsteps of Tel Aviv. Right. And well, that's one of those a, things, Stan, where we as Americans think things sound really good, but we... Don't have any idea what the details right. really, really are. We'll carry you over if you need to, Don. Welcome into the program, everybody. This is Alabama Unfiltered Radio. I'm Scott Beeson. The Ladies of Liberty are here. It's a beautiful day here in the heart of God's country. A Wednesday. Golly, the year is flying by. It's the 18th day of October in the year of our Lord, 2023. I hope y'all have had a good morning so far, and I hope the last 21 hours have gone well as well. Ladies, how are y'all? 
great. Y'all are revved up <laughs> we today. We are on fire. Put, put down the coffee, woman. Put down the coffee. Here's you do what not I've need any enhancement this, this morning. This is what I've discovered, and we cannot wait to hear from our first guest. But if I have two cups of coffee mm-hmm. before I get in my car, I'm a little angry. Mm-hmm. And I think it works well for the show. It makes for good So radio. you've had two cups of coffee before you left the house. Well, I had the second half in my car while, while I While you were driving. Mm-hmm. Then you got here and created another one. So this is at least three. I have a long day, and so do you. Uh, we have a yes. whole show. So you have to start we with more. We have interviews we have to do, and then we have to be fresh and friendly wait, 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 for wait, a wait. meeting. Oh, mm-hmm. interviews, like on the yeah, show. Yeah, interviews right. on the oh, show. Got, okay. Then yeah. we have a meeting where we got to, like, look alive. Mm-hmm. And then after that, and ask good <laughs> questions. And after that, and pay rapt attention to what's being said. Said, we have to go home, get dressed, and come back and be friendly to everyone who's coming tonight. Because aren't they coming to meet us? Abs. <laughs> guy's crying. He's moving his eyes. Boo-hoo. I'm doing nine hours of live radio today. That's oh, what that you want to do, though. I'm that's like joking, Sky. Like the best oh, day ever for column. Sky. So that's oh, all. Killing me. We would trade and do nine hours of live radio to avoid meetings. Nah, you we make really would. Good point. Meetings that could have been a Zoom, that could have been a text. Oh, Very shoot. good. Should I say that out loud? What did you say? Because I didn't say, it. Her say it again. Nothing. Oh my gosh. I'm just glad Al doesn't do coffee. She would be unbearable. She does tea, and trust me, yeah, she gets a little Not all the time. Zip, not a little pep in her step. No. She See, is, she's already had she tea this not morning. I can tell by her face. Absolutely. She might do wine in the morning. I don't know about tea. She may be calling it wine. Listen, they need They need our vim and vigor in Washington D.C. Would you not agree with that? They need some um, clarity. Testosterone supplements. I was going to say our day could be way worse. We could be part of the House of Representatives oh, today. Gosh, like you know, children though, wandering I mean, in the desert. If we think about it, I think if I was in Congress, I'd be kicked back like. <laughs> We don't do anything good. Why, why do we want the House of Representatives working? You know, all these people around the country are like, oh, no, the House, how are they going to do the people's business? They've been giving the people the business for a long time. <laughs> I thought that was I'm, a great line right there. I'm a, Let's pause for that. Can we, we're going to have to go back because I have no idea what I said. You said they've been giving the people business. The, bi- yes, the, the business. business. I love that. Mm-hmm. They have. They're not doing the people's business. They've been giving the people the business. So why do I care if they're not able to have their little meetings? That half the time they vote with their card or something anyway. Nancy Pelosi was letting them vote and they didn't even have to be in Washington, D.C. What do, what do, I, what do I care? What, what does it change in my life if the U.S. House of Representatives, do we even know when they're meeting and when they're not meeting? No, it's very hard to keep up with, but I'm hoping our first guest can tell us why we should care. Or, even better, he'll tell us we shouldn't. And we it's shouldn't just a big care at all. I can't wait. Well, let's do that. Uh, our first guest this morning is, I don't know if you're a former, but it explains the story better. Former Congressman Mo Brooks. Congressman Brooks, or former Congressman Brooks, welcome to the program. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. I'm just looking over the very calm, beautiful waters of Lake Gunnersville. In the That's background, nice. you've got the fall leaves, nice and colorful, um, showing up themselves and also on the water surface. Do the leaves in the water not know that the U.S. House doesn't have a speaker and they can't <laughs> do their business? I mean, there should be a panic. The leaves should just be shaking on the trees violently. Mother Nature is beholding to no government. 
<laughs> Fair enough. So what what is your take on what is going on? We had the removal of the speaker led by Gates, etc. Um, I believe that was based on the speaker not being truthful and not fulfilling his promises and not doing what he said he was due, which is fair. And I think the mainstream media has forgotten to tell the American people that that was the problem. Now, you may tell me something different because I'm sure you have some good inside information. And then we go through the effort to elect Scalise. That fails. Jim Jordan gets his shot. He failed. And if I'm looking at the the history of the folks who are against Jim Jordan, you know me well enough. Do you think I would vote for those people? Or do you think they and I are probably kind of opposed philosophically? You would vote for them maybe a socialist Democrat, but not against <laughs> most any Republican. That's that's what I thought. So so now we're being held up by the most liberal members of the Republican House members? I mean, is that a fair statement? Well, with the exception of maybe Ken Buck out of Colorado or Doug LaMoff out of California. Now, Doug has said he's going to vote for uh, Jim Jordan on the second vote. Uh, so Jim will pick up uh, that vote. Previously, Doug had voted for Kevin McCarthy, a uh, fellow Californian. Um, Ken Buck, I don't know. He's kind of the oddity in this mix. He's also one that said there wasn't uh, a significant voter fraud in uh, 2020. So I, Ken Buck's kind of a mystery uh, man, right. but he, he votes conservative more than he votes uh, liberal. The others are huge, big spenders. They don't care about deficit and debt. They side with the Democrats on a regular basis, caucus with various Democrats on a regular basis, and uh, by and large, they're for open borders. Some exceptions, but by and large, they're for open borders, too. So, no, they're not the kind of people that we want in Washington, D.C., but they were elected, so they participate in this speaker's race. It's, well, look, I'm not making any statements. I don't know them, but I find it odd. Yesterday when I read the list of the, what, 20 that voted against Jim Jordan, and, and I didn't know them. They're not from, from Alabama. But when I was just reading the names, I literally thought, man, are a bunch of these for illegal immigration? And then this morning, you say a number of them are supportive of illegal immigration. Well, I would say open borders. Uh, they're more along the lines of let's legalize them, give them amnesty, and then they're not illegal anymore. They're not right. for illegal immigration. They're just for making it all legal. For making all of it legal. That makes sense. Let me ask you about another guy. Um, what is his name? Don Bacon? Bacon, yeah. He's, he's bad news. He is, yeah. But Mo, he was—I mean, Congressman—he was in the—he uh, was in the military. Well, we have some military people who are astonishingly uh, liberal, and we also have some military people who, um, although albeit in the service of their country, they have lived off the government most or all of their lives. They haven't really worked in the private sector, so they don't fully understand free enterprise and and the role of the private sector in supporting our economy. And so they tend to vote more liberal. You know, if you're in the military, higher taxes is a good thing. It means more military capability. It also means pay raising. Hmm. Oh, I've always been fascinated with the fact that so many of us, myself included, 
a guy or girl runs an ad and they're like, I was in the military. And the other person says, I was so-and-so. And I automatically lean towards the military person just because maybe I was taught that I was supposed to. But that doesn't necessarily make them a good senator, a good House member, a good congressman just because they were in the military. And, and I just kind of wanted to point out that we should look at all of these people running for office based on their beliefs, their worldview. I don't care what they did in the past because, like you say, you can you can have served in the military and still be a liberal. Well, I favor military personnel, generally speaking, but there are exceptions. John Kerry mm-hmm. would be an exception. No way mm-hmm. would I ever vote for John Kerry. And John right. McCain, he, he should never have been allowed to run as a Republican. Gosh, he voted. He was a swing vote to keep Obamacare. Right. Socialized medicine. So they're, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative of people who serve the military. I give them the benefit of the doubt. And by and large, the vast majority are solid conservative voters. Mm-hmm. But that's not a rule. It's not hard and fast. There are exceptions. Yeah, and the establishment likes to go find them one that's not and then trot, trot them out in front of, you know, red state voters. and Bingo. And then they get their, get their folks elected. It's all about marketing. Democrats love to parade left-wing military retirees. That's right. Mo, let's go back to the ousting of Speaker McCarthy. Did those eight have grounds? It seems like they all had different reasons for supporting... Uh, removing him, but from your understanding, was that a legitimate action? Had McCarthy, see what I've never seen is an actual, they keep talking about that McCarthy didn't hold up his end of the deal, that they brought to them, to him, this list or the, you know, these conditions that they would vote for him for speaker and that he didn't hold up his end of the deal. Have you, do you know what is on that list? And do these eight have grounds for doing what they did? Well, there are about 8, 10, 12 different uh, commitments that Kevin McCarthy made. Uh, One of the principal ones had to do with reining in our out-of-control spending. We've got uh, deficits that are averaging now in excess of a trillion dollars a year. We blew through the $33 trillion debt mark. We're headed for a national insolvency and bankruptcy, and the longer we wait to address the issue, the worse that bankruptcy and its ripple effect on the economy is going to be. And Kevin McCarthy that deals with Democrats and liberal Republicans to spend money that we don't have, have to borrow to get, can't afford to pay back. And yes, he broke the agreement on that point and probably on a number of others. See, the problem that we have with our conference is we have a lot of various viewpoints. We have some folks who are for open borders. We have other folks who are for border security, and they're actually willing to do what it takes to give us border security. We have some folks who would spend any dollar they could get their hands on and money that they can't get their hands on. They'd spend it. Then you've got others who say, wait a second, this is an economic calamity that we're toying with. And when Kevin McCarthy is soliciting the votes of these people back in January, he makes conflicting promises. Right. And those conflicting promises ultimately came back to bite him. So do you support the eight and what they did? Do you think that was the right move? And, and, did they have a plan and it just didn't work out, or did they do this without a plan? I probably would have been one of those back in January that had been very hesitant to vote for Kevin McCarthy. And it took Kevin McCarthy 15 votes. I would have solicited and required public policy uh, commitments. For example, with uh, Paul Ryan. I got a written agreement with him 
that he would not allow any amnesty bill to the House floor during the two years that he was Speaker of the House unless first there was a preceding majority approval vote by the GOP conference. That killed the Gang of Eight amnesty uh, bill effort uh, during the two years that Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House. So I would have done the same thing with Kevin McCarthy, try to find out some things that the Republican Party is weak on that we need to shore up on on public policy level. Mm -hmm. And then if he broke those commitments, those promises by which I agreed to vote for him, yeah, I'd yank my support. Uh, But I was not in these negotiations, so I'm hesitant to say that I would have been one of the eight or not one of the eight. What's your take on Matt Gates? Because uh, Rutherford, I can't remember the congressman out of Florida. I can't remember his first well, name. Matt Gates is the congressman out of Florida. Right, He's but there's the another Rutherford that is like personally saying he can never support Jim Jordan because, and I think Mike Lawler kind of said the same thing, because basically... Well, there's the Diaz-Balart, Mario Diaz-Balart. Well, I think a few of them, it seems very personal, like, Mm -hmm. I can't do that because Gates likes him. Mm -hmm. What is your take on Matt Gates? What is he, you know, you hear conflicting things. Uh, Matt Gates is one of the smartest people in the United States Congress. And he was a state championship debater in the state of Florida. And you don't want to take him on in any kind of debate-type format (laughs) in the news media. Because Matt Gates, in all likelihood, is going to win, and you're not going to look good when he wins. You know, I loved his comeback about all of his campaign finance emails where he's like, yeah, because I don't take big interest, special interest PAC money. I've we got to take get a break. Congressman Brooks is with us. We'll be back on the other side. Welcome back into the program, everybody. What was I forgetting? Do the thing. What thing? The, the don't thing. forget the 1819 thing. Oh, you're right. Exactly. Welcome back to Alabama Unfiltered Radio, powered by 1819 News. If you're enjoying this radio show, as well as all the other content put out by 1819 News, you can support that work by going to 1819news.com and becoming a member today. 1819 News is your citizen-supported truth-teller, shining the light on what's happening in the state, uncovering corruption, and celebrating the good, the true, and the beautiful. Support nonprofit journalism that represents your values. Become an 1819 News member Today, Congressman Mo Brooks is with us. Fascinating conversation about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Congressman, welcome back to the program. We appreciate you taking some time with us, speaking to over half the state of Alabama, and um, we appreciate your service, by the way. Well, thank you. And if I could add this, um, I, I want to thank you all and all the voters out there who voted for me last year for the United States Senate. And in an odd way, I also want to thank those who voted against me and allowed me to retire from Washington, D.C. <laughs> now I'm a normal person and life is great. <laughs> As you were describing the leaves and the uh, water, I was like, pretty sure Mo's the one that Mo won. Mo, Mo's the winner. Sure. Yeah, for sure. My point when we were headed off air talking about Matt Gates is people complain. They're like, every time he gets like, a, he does these publicity stunts and then he sends out a fundraising email. And I, he gave a speech on the House floor during the motion to vacate the speaker's position where they were attacking him for doing that. And he was like, yes, I do, because I'm not like the rest of y'all and I don't get all this PAC money from all these special interest groups. Like, I'm not bought and paid for, so I have to raise money from average people. And I was like, well, that's respectable, you know. But when all the guns are pointed towards one person, at this point, I just assume they're on the right side of things. We'll see. I don't know. But so. Well, like I said, if you get into a war of words with Matt Gates 
you're apt to come out badly scarred and bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) He is excellent with a snappy comeback. Which is saying a lot because I would say the same thing about you. You probably don't want to go at Mo Brooks. Um, So you must really respect his skills. (laughs) Real quickly, um, and then Amy Beth has a question. I'm curious, what in the world happened? Like, you must be really entrenched if you were Mike Rogers and even Dale Strong, who kind of came out a little more unscathed, went under the radar. Maybe he wasn't as vocal about it. Why in the world would you want to collude with Democrats instead of supporting Jim Jordan? Because of a strong dislike of the conservative wing of our party that campaigns on a set of principles that get them elected and then actually stick to them when in office. That makes all of these other charlatans look bad when they campaign on the same things, but then vote and do the exact opposite in Congress. That's the big schism right now in the House of Representatives. And I'm not talking about Mike Rogers or Dale Strong or any other member of the congressional delegation when I, when I talk about this schism. I'm just pointing out that in the House GOP conference, that is a huge schism. And so they get very, very upset when when there are people who say, no, we absolutely can do that. I used to tell the story one time I was involved in a campaign and the the other person, the, the incumbent candidate, was always going to these community functions, Mo, and, and saying, well, we can't do this. And people in the you know, the, the audience would say, hey, what about this? Oh, we, we can't do that. We can't do that. There's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. And the new guy coming in all of a sudden gets elected to another office that's below it. And he's like, oh, no, well, you know, we absolutely can. All we have to do is A and B, and then that will cause this. And the, the senior politician was so angry because he had had years and years and years to basically say there's nothing we can do, nothing we can do. And so I figure it's kind of... The, the same thing when people like yourself are saying oh no we can fix this problem we can get the deficit under control we can do these things and then you get i would say this is my words the mike rogers of the world who have had a career of pretending that you have to do it the way washington says there it probably does infuriate them well in the house freedom caucus we call members who take the approach of can't do can't do uh, we call them the Surrender Caucus. And they surrender to the Democrats on a regular basis. And the problem is, the Democrats never surrendered us. Right. So that's why you've seen the deficit and debt get worse and worse. That's why you've seen the border security issue get worse and worse. That's why you see our moral values in decline. The Democrats fight a little bit at a time they win. Over the last couple of years, they've been winning a lot big measures. Right. And the Republicans never never fight back. It's so true. It's Is so that why bipartisan? There's a solution. There's a solution to every problem we face as a country. What's lacking are voters who will put in the Senate and the House. Those folks will actually stick to their guns, fight for those values, and then win. And mm. that, by the way, that's this, that's this speaker's race in a nutshell. If Jim Jordan sticks to his position, if he can persist in running. If he does not withdraw, then he will be Speaker of the House because there's really no other option that the liberal wing of our party has. 
Now the heat is building up on them. If Jim Jordan becomes the only available option because Jim Jordan won't back out, then it's either governmental calamity that these recalcitrant 15 or 20 congressmen will be responsible for that can take them out in the next election, or they're going to cave. Keep in mind, that's what Kevin McCarthy did. He said, I'm running, and I'm not getting out, and it took 15 votes, but he was elected speaker. Jim Jordan's in the same position. Does Jim Jordan and his allies, do they have the... um do they have the will or the fortitude to just say, no, we're going to win? We've lost for years and years and years. We're going to win this time? I hope so, because if he does, I don't see any viable option that the liberal open borders debt junkie wing of our party has. <laughs> now, Allison heard that, Mc- oh, I almost said McNugget, sorry. <laughs> that's um, what we call that's, it. That's the show between the shows. What's his name? It's McHenry. McHenry. There's uh, Jake Sherman on Twitter put out that David Joyce is expected to file a motion today to elect Patrick McHenry slash McNugget as permanent speaker pro tem. What do you think about that? I don't think that's the solution, and it leaves a gap in the speaker's position, and mm-hmm. there are adverse consequences to having a speaker pro tem as to a speaker, and I can get into that, but I hear you're, we're about to take a break music. Yeah, do you want to hang over one more time? I'm happy to. I'm retired, by the way. I just saw an <laughs> He's watching the leaves. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Congressman <laughs> Mo Brooks is with us. we got to take a break, and then we'll be open for your calls. We'll be back. Yeah, Welcome back into the program, everybody. This is Alabama Unfiltered Radio. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate you telling other people about the show. That's why we're growing by leaps and bounds. Scott can't figure out how, but we are. Yep, <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is a mystery. But Congressman Mo Brooks is with us, and we appreciate him taking some time with us today. Okay, so Congressman, I have two questions. One, is there any scenario where Hakeem Jeffries becomes speaker? Not any that does not result in political suicide for whichever Republicans allowed it to happen. And, and they asked that question off the air, Congressman, and I said, well, if they could find a few congressmen who do not plan for re-election, then you start getting into some scary waters. Well, you do get into scary waters, but these folks would even have stigmas within their own families oh, and okay. their community and friends and church members. They'd be ostracized. That's not the kind of thing you want when you go into retirement. That's true. That would make the that would make the waters rough at the lake. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> they would white cats everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hold on, time out before the next question. Do you like to fish? Yeah. Okay, I just we're we're on um, we're we're in Muscle Shoals, so. You know, our water's good and there's a lot of fishermen out there. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, so what do you think about this? For people who've never witnessed negotiations with, what, 20 people right now? The Taliban 20. The Taliban 20. What does that, what do closed door, behind the scene negotiations look like? Because we're interested. Like, what does that mean? How long does it take? What goes on? Well, often congressmen have something personal that they want that they believe will advance their personal interest. So that's one tool that you can use. Uh, Sometimes there's a public policy position that a congressman cares a lot about, and that congressman may negotiate to make sure that there's a House floor vote on that. Often, though, 
it's working out something that ostensibly you can float out there that gives you cover when you flip-flop. Because right now, I promise you, each of these congressmen is being bombarded by constituents who are angry as all get out. You know, last week there were 50 people who weren't going to vote for uh, Jim Jordan come hell or high water. 30 of them flipped. Mm-hmm. Why did they flip? Because voters were getting all over their fannies. So that's a good question. Does it make a difference? I, I know one of our callers uh, called Mike Rogers' office and he, his uh, little worker was so fed up, he actually hung up on him, which to me says we're it winning. Makes a difference. When, yes. When they're hanging up on you, it's okay. a difference. <laughs> okay. So public shame, the threat of primary challengers, calls. I mean, I think sure, it all works. Me. You had three uh, Alabama Republican Party executive committee members who were saying they were going to deny uh, Mike Rogers ballot access if he cut a deal with Democrats to elect the speaker. Yeah. Now, that catches your eye. Yes, yeah, because as popular as these congressmen think they are, that R beside their name uh, helps them tremendously. Absolutely does. Now, I, I don't know that you could have actually kept Mike Rogers off the ballot if he cut a deal with a Democrat on something like a speaker's right. Um Perhaps it would, perhaps it wouldn't. And I'm on the steering committee, so it'd be a a novel concept for us to uh, evaluate. But still, I'm quite confident. If you can do it to a guy running for, if you can do it to a guy running for the state house of representatives, you ought to be able to do it to a congressman. I just don't know if our executive committee has the guts to do it. But you know, I think it would have been a great debate, and maybe it's something to me colluding and working with Democrats when you have options for Republicans. I don't know what else right. should keep you off the ballot. Yeah, and your options for Republicans are the Republicans who are actually trying to do the things that Republicans campaign on. That's that's well, look, a, that's I, a sticking point. I'm on the steering committee, and we've had a number of legislative special elections, and each time our steering committee passes a resolution that allows Democrats and other people who don't like Republicans to vote in our primaries and choose our nominees for public office. So I'm voting against it, but I am vastly outnumbered on the Alabama Republican Party steering committee on whether we're going to do something that actually stops Democrats and other non-Republicans for participating in the choosing of nominees who are supposed to be representing Republican values. I was astonished well, at how lopsided it, the votes were. You know, for oh, year, years ago, Congressman, you, you had already gone to Congress. I was still in the legislature. We were trying to stop all that. The establishment arm um, continued to be for it. And then one of the former chairmen would always say things like, well, we're trying to big, build a big tent, and we're still building the... We're, we're beyond all of that now. What is kind of the excuse that party leadership is using for letting... Democrats still vote in our primaries. What are they saying publicly? I have I have an idea why I think they still do it because special interest wants to pick our uh, U.S. senators and our congressmen, et cetera. But uh, why, what are they saying is the reason for letting Democrats vote in our primaries? You really would have to ask them. Okay. The excuse is, well, state law, and my response is, we've already gone to court over. It who controls who votes in Republican primaries and what the requirements are for those voters. And we won in federal court on this issue back in 1993, guys. 
Right. And it's based on the United States Constitution Freedom of Association Clause. We have an absolute right as a political party to determine who our nominees are going to be and who can participate in the selection of those nominees. Mm -hmm. Absolute constitutional right that's superior to state law. Plus, you've got a state law provision that says that political parties get to determine who participates in their primaries. So I'm just baffled by it. But I think think basically what you're looking at is in 2010, we took over the state house. And we had Republicans, conservatives, who shared an ideology in charge. And then that all got watered down by these flip-flopping Democrats (laughs) who decided that the only way to win was to switch political parties and now they're running the show gosh mm-hmm. our current speaker and our previous speaker used to be elected democrats that's right well i'll let you in on a secret in 2010 the republican speaker of the house uh kept me from being able to do party registration so it wasn't just well, democrats I'm, they all hate i'm disappointed that mike hubbard was not letting us control who our nominees are going to be now, I understand the argument. Hey, we want. But it's very important for people. establishment candidates, Mo. Establishment candidates only win when the Democrats come and help them. And the special interest money comes into bigger play. You're right. If you have a, a wide open electorate in a primary as opposed to allowing party members and only party members to select their nominee for public office. That is correct. Mo, we only have about two minutes left, but real quickly, what do you think about the uh, congressional maps? How should Alabama respond from here? Well, we ought to appeal. I'm sure Steve Marshall will appeal. I hate it that the Supreme Court has decided that racial segregation is the way to go. I thought uh, we decided back in the 50s and 60s that that was a bad public policy, separate but equal. But the Supreme Court has digressed. The only option that the state of Alabama has is to continue to pursue this in the courts, but it's not a very good option. Um, Another option that you can seize on, but I don't know how far it would go, is trying to change the federal statutes that the trial court relied on to some degree Mm -hmm. to support the racial segregation they're forcing on us. To me, the more you emphasize race, the more you're going to have racism. And I, I don't I understand agree. why the Supreme Court doesn't figure that out. I don't well, know why you, got, you know, Mo, uh, you can't be racist when you're letting people in college, but you can be racist when you're voting. That's 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 where we are. <laughs> Sorry, state of affairs. <laughs> it is. Congressman Mo Brooks has been our guest. We appreciate it, Congressman, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, catch some big ones today. Uh, I would love to, but I'm doing some uh, framing work. (laughs) Oh, wow. Honeydews. We got to (laughs) go. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on this episode of Alabama Unfiltered.